Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey everybody, so glad you are listening on this podcast today. Uh, I am your host, Pastor Dan Wills from Chandler Acres Church in uh, Bellevue, Nebraska, and you are again listening to Venture. Uh, it's a weekly podcast that we uh, host here at uh, Chandler Acres, and our goal is just to give you a message uh, that is biblical uh, and truthful, uh, and it relates to hopefully your life uh, that the life that we go through every single day and the things that we encounter in life. In other words, our venture. Uh, if you uh, are just joining us for the first time, uh, hopefully you've caught up with this series, uh, Mastermind, Change Your Thinking, Change Your Life. Uh, and if you are listening today, I believe, as I always say, uh, it's because God has placed you uh, on the other side of this podcast for a reason and a purpose and my prayer is that it will always be shown to you in some way, uh, form, or fashion uh, uh, through God and in ways he can always amaze us with. Uh, we've been looking at the mind and, and the teaching of the Apostle Paul. Uh, what, do we, what do we know about the mind is that we know that our thoughts are incredibly powerful. There's often a war going on and the war is generally won or lost in the mind. What comes into your mind comes out in your life. It's almost impossible to live a positive life when you've been consumed with negative thoughts. And we learned last week, if you don't change the way you think, you can't change the way you live. You, you can't change what you do. You know, our thoughts matter. Our thoughts really, really matter. In fact, our, our key verse is from the Apostle Paul. It's from Second Corinthians 10 three through five. And I, what I want to do is I want to revisit uh, those three pieces of scripture today to kind of set the tone for what I'm sharing with you today. Again, it's Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses three through five. Here's what it says. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Any thought that is inconsistent with the truth of God's word, we grab it. We, we make it our prisoner, and, and we are not a prisoner to the lies. The lies are a prisoner to God's word. We take them captive and, and make it obedient to Christ. And if you've been with us in, in previous weeks and in, in, in listening to these podcasts, we've, we've talked about the power of the brain that our God created. For centuries, people thought that the brain was essentially fixed after adolescence. And, and we know that, that, that that's not true, that the, the brain continues to evolve. And there's something called neural pathways. Well, what is a neural pathway? Essentially, the more we think a thought, the more we create a pathway in the brain. And the more we think a thought, the easier it is to think. 
And that's good news if we're thinking on things that are true and good and and pure and lovely and excellent and admirable and praiseworthy, as, as the Apostle Paul would say. The problem is many of us are thinking on things that are, are not true. The easier it is to, to think on things that are not true, the more it compounds into more negative thoughts. And, and we think on those things even more so. And so I want to introduce another idea today that's been helpful to me, and, and that is the idea of a cognitive bias, okay? And you might be asking what the question, you know, what is a cognitive bias? And we could also call it a mental filter or a mental framework. A very simple definition is this. It's a mistake in reasoning based on personal preferences or beliefs. When we have a cognitive bias, we, we've got a mental filter or a mental framework that is not necessarily accurate. Our wrong thought process, process or our wrong belief causes us to make mistakes or errors in judgment. If we have a wrong framework or wrong mental filters, the wrong mental filters distorts how we see the world. Therefore, we end up with a cognitive bias, making wrong decisions based on wrong assumptions. Because of personal beliefs that may not be true, we're, we're biased in a direction, and that can cause all sorts of troubles in our life. That's why different people respond in, in different ways to the exact same situation. Have you ever noticed that uh, in life? You know, the same situation, it's the same environment, and, and yet two totally different responses. It's not the facts that are different. So what is it? It's the filter that's different. For example, you might see this at your workplace. You, you might have a boss or a supervisor that sits down with two different people and gives feedback in the same way. And the two different people respond totally different to the feedback. The first person gets all offended. Well, who does he think he is to come in here and tell me this and that and, and what's going on? And, and if you want some feedback, I'll give you some feedback. Okay, Totally offended by the feedback. Second person, same exact situation, same type of feedback. The next person says, thank you so much. You helped me see something in my performance that I didn't know. Now I can get better, you know, same situation. It's not the facts that are different. So what is it? It's the filter. Think about this. There may be two people sitting side by side that walked into your church one day. And one person walks in saying all Christians are, are hypocrites. There's, they're a bunch of losers, you know. Uh, whether you're a small church or a big church, it's, you know, it's no fun. And the chances of you having a good experience are very, very low. Based on someone else who walks in saying, yeah, Christians aren't perfect, but I love them anyway. And, and God works in all sorts of different types of churches. That person is more likely to have a good experience. It's not the facts that are different, it's the filter. And this can even impact our relationship to God. In fact, studies show that your relationship to an earthly father can often shape or, or color how you perceive your heavenly father. In, in other words, those of you who were blessed with a good dad who was you know, full of compassion and was involved in your life, it is easier for you to see God as a good God you know, full of compassion that cares about the details of your life as opposed to someone else who had an earthly father who maybe was distant or, or abusive or, or cold or demanding or judgmental or legalistic. 
If you had an earthly father that was demanding and, and harsh and, and distant and abusive, it's much more difficult to see your heavenly father as loving and caring and, uh, caring and involved. It's not the facts that are different. It's the filter that's different. Last week in the, in our last week's podcast, we, we talked about one of the dis- disciplines that have, that I've been doing in, in order to change my thinking. Because as much as, you know, I don't want to disappoint people as a, as a pastor, I battle with negative thoughts and, and I battle with believing things that are not true about me and, and about life. We, we talked about meditating last week on, on truth. Well, this week I want to talk about another tool and, and then next week, I hope you'll join us. We're going to be talking about the prayer component of the mind. But today I want to talk about something called reframing. Okay, I said reframing. And you might be asking the question, well, what is reframing? Well, reframing is simply creating a different way of of looking at a situation, a, a person or a relationship by changing its meaning. Okay, It's creating a different way. And looking at something by changing its meaning. Uh, it's a little bit like the, the kid that loved playing baseball. Okay, The kid just said, I, I'm the greatest hitter who has ever lived. And the kid went into his backyard and he picked up a, a ball and picked up his bat. And, and he threw the ball up in the air. And he swung as hard as he could. But he missed it. But he said, everybody misses once. I'm still the greatest hitter of all time. And so he picked up the ball a second time, threw it up in the air again, swung, and missed again. And he said, I'm still the greatest batter who's ever lived. And so he picked up the ball for the third time, threw it up again, and he swung as mighty as he could, and he missed. But then he got to thinking, he said, wow, you know, I had no idea. I'm also the greatest pitcher whoever lived, because I just struck out the greatest batter in the history of the world. Reframing is simply changing the way we look at something by changing the meaning. It's also called perceptual accentuation. It's also called cognitive reconstructing. Or if you simply uh, want to announce what I call it, it's called thinking different. It's reframing the situation. Let me illustrate it this way. What kind of day are we going to have? Is it going to be a great day, an average day, a pathetic day? What kind of day are we going to have? The answer is, it depends on how we frame it. Some of you, you have a negative framework, a a negative filter. This day is going to be bad. I I hate being around these people. They're all a pain in the you-know-what. I hate going to these things. It never works out. Every time I try to do something, I always fail. God's not with me. Life's bad. It's going to get worse. What kind of day are you going to have? Depends on how you frame it. God is with me. God is good. I can sense his presence. I I love being here. Some of these people are kind of weird, but I I love to see the good in them. I'm going to choose to believe the best wherever I go. What kind of day are you going to have? Well, it depends on how you frame it. What we need to understand is this, and if you're, if you're kind of taking notes or, or thinking about these things, is you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. Let me say it again. 
You cannot control what happens to you, but you can't control how you frame it. You can control how you frame it. If there was anybody who was great at reframing, it was the Apostle Paul. In fact, if, if you know his story, he had a very strategic prayer, prayer plan. God, please help me go to Rome. And if I can go to Rome and preach the gospel and reach the leaders in Rome, from there we can spread the gospel all over the world. And finally, Paul got to go to Rome. But he didn't get to go there to preach the gospel. Instead, he was in Rome as a prisoner, locked up in house arrest, chained to Roman guards, a new one every eight hours, and he was awaiting a possible execution. What he wanted was not what happened. How did he frame the situation? Well, some of you, this is where you are right now. You thought to yourself, if I could just get a degree, then I'll get the job. And, and so you got the degree. And the job that you have is, is basically you're overqualified for, and you're in an entirely different field. And you're like, God, where are you? Or you thought, hey, I'm going to marry my sweetheart. I'm, I'm gonna, it's going to be amazing. And, and so you do marry your sweetheart, and it goes bad. God, where are you? Or you wake up at you know such and such age, and you thought by the age that you are at, I knew I'd be here and doing this, but, but here I am and I'm doing this, and, and I don't understand it. God, where are you in this? Well, this is where Paul was, and this is what I want, and, and this is what is happening. I wanted to preach the gospel, and then I'm a prisoner. What kind of day are you going to have? You can't determine what happens to you, but you can determine how you frame it. Okay, so let me show you what Paul could have said. Okay, he he didn't say uh, didn't say this, but but he could have said this. And if he would have said it, this would have been in Philippians one twelve through thirteen, which is the NWV version. And you might be asking, what is the NWV version? It's it just stands for the New Winers version. Okay, this is what Paul could have said. He could have said, "Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me really sucks." That's what he could have said. As a result of, of the hell I've been through, I'm quitting and I'm never going back to church again. Again, that's what he could have said. But it's not what he said. And by the way, for those of you or anybody that's listening and you're new to the church world, I just want you to know there is no NWV version, okay? Uh, it's just a made-up version. I'm just messing with you, okay? This is what Paul actually said, though. Philippians 1, 12 through 13. It says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. What everyone else thought was bad, it looks like I'm a prisoner, but, but I've got a strategic, you know, strategic Roman soldiers who are influential in leadership locked to me. And I get a new one every eight hours chained up to me. So who do you think the real prisoner is? So you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. I want you to know what happened really started to advance the gospel. Look look at what happens in the next verse. Philippians 1, 14. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel with fear. A lot of people say, this is really bad, Paul. But see, you have no idea. When I look through my God frame, I see God is still working. God is still moving. My God is still active, and God is still at work. 
You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. So how do we live this out when our thoughts can often drift toward the negative, the critical, the discouraging thoughts, the self-defeating language? Let me give you three principles that I'm working on in my life to reframe relationships and situations and my story. The first thing is this, okay? When things are really, really bad, you know, it's, it's that, just that horrible day. I don't like what's going on. One of the tools I, I use, I can actually thank God for what didn't happen. Maybe something unpleasant did happen, but there are a lot of things that are worse than, than that, that did happen, did not happen, you know? I can thank God for what didn't happen. For example, there's a story of a, of a college girl who, who told her parents and, and called, her up, called their parents up one day and said, Mom, Dad, I really need to have a serious conversation with you. And Mom and Dad said, sure, you know, uh, you know we're, we've got time. Go ahead. She goes, no, I, I really need to talk to you in person. And they're like, okay. So she drove home from the university to sit in her parents' living room and said, Mom and Dad, uh, before we get started, I, I need you to sit down for this. And, of course, Mom and Dad are really freaked out right now. and But they obliged, and, and so they sat. And, and she said, i, I got to be honest with you, Mom and Dad. I went out to a bar and and I was drunk, and I went back with a guy and and we did things, uh, and and now I'm pregnant with twins. The good news though is the dad will be off probation in a year, and, and once he's out of rehab, he he does plan on getting a job, and and since he's not able to work right now, he's he's living with me, and and we know you don't really approve that, but but um, we want to get married, but with him not having a job. We just can't do that. But we are going to raise the babies together. We're really all in. And and mom and dad just hear this. And, and they're just kind of somewhat appalled, you know, and a little disappointed. And, and, and they're just trying to try to figure out what to say to, to their daughter. But then her daughter says, I want you to know everything I told you was not true. The truth is I got a D in chemistry. And I want you to know it could have been a lot worse. You see, sometimes you got to thank God for what didn't happen. So you didn't get the project in on time at work. So you're not going to get your bonus. Well, you know what? Thank God I didn't lose my job. I still have my job. I'm still employed. Or maybe you get in a car wreck. You know, this is going to be a, a, a pain in the, you know what? It's going to cost money and God's going to take a, a long time. Well, thank God nobody got hurt, okay? Thank God for that, right? Or maybe you're in an airport and the airplane is delayed again, right? And, and you just yell out, Satan cast out all of my flights, you know, get get out of here. And, and Well, the plane is broken. Well, I always tell myself this, when the plane is broken, I'd rather be on the ground wanting to be up there than, than up in the sky in a broken plane wanting to be down here, you know? Sometimes you just need to thank God for what didn't happen. The next thing you can do uh, that I'm learning to do is, is this, is you practice pre-framing, okay? Pre-framing your filters. It determines how you see the world, how you feel, and how often, uh, and often what you do. What I, what I want to do is I want to choose the frame before the event. And instead of getting there and, and letting me my default filter or my default frame, which is often negative, 
you know, take over, causing me to interpret what otherwise might be positive uh, and turn it into a negative. I want to pre-frame it with the right frame. I'm, I'm choosing the frame ahead of time. When things get tough before they ever get tough, I, I tell myself I am great under pressure and my God is with me. My God is for me. In, in leadership situations, the tougher the situation, the more I want to be involved. And, and when things get tough, you know, I know my God is with me because I never play to lose. I always play to win and I, and I do win because I've chosen my frame ahead of time. Some of you pick, need to pick a new frame. You know, stop believing the lie from the past. Reframe it, preframe it. Before you go into the situation, you know, tell yourself, your God is good. Your God is with you. He will help you succeed. Choose the frame ahead of time. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. So what do we do to reframe a situation? Well, we always thank God for what didn't happen. And then we practice pre-framing. And then the third thing we're going to do is we're going to look for God's goodness. We're going to look for his goodness. You see, here's the promise. If you want to see bad, you will find bad. And if you want to see negative, you will find things to be negative about. If you want to be critical, you can pick apart any organization, any group, any person. If that's what you want to be the determining factor of how you live your life, you can be like the vast majority of the world that lives critical, negative, has bad relationships, and tends to lean toward what is bad instead of leaning towards what is good. Or, on the other hand, you can choose to look for where God is working, and, and if you look for where God is working, you will see him working. You can choose to look for good, and, and guess what? You'll see the good. If, if you want to look for the good in people, you can find good in people. And your relationships will change. Your attitude will change. Your perspective will change. Your impact will change. Because you will find what you're looking for. It's called cognitive reframing. It's just reframing. It's interpreting your circumstances based on the truth of God's word. A good counselor will tell you this. You determine the meaning of what happened to you. You determine the meaning. I'm going to tell you this. Let Jesus help you determine the meaning. It's a lot like the difference between two types of birds. Take a vulture and a, and a hummingbird. And, and I don't know what their faces look like as they're doing this, but I can only imagine that, uh, that or I can't even imagine that uh, seeing a, a vulture smile while he's doing what he does because what do vultures find? Dead stuff, carcasses, roadkill. Why do they find that stuff? Because that's what they're looking for. What do hummingbirds find? Nectar and sweet things. Why? Because that's what they're looking for. You'll find what you're looking for. Look for the goodness of God and you'll see the goodness of God. Look for problems and things to complain about. You'll see those things. Let Jesus help you determine the meaning. So many people see the bad because you're looking for the bad. If you look for God, you will find him. Where do we make the mistake in our minds? It's when we often try to interpret God through our circumstances. This is bad, therefore God is bad. There's another way to look at the world, and that is to interpret your circumstances through the goodness of God. 
then you can recognize, even on what is a bad day, our God is still good. He's still involved. He still cares. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Even in the dark times, even when we're waiting, when we can still praise Him, because no matter what our circumstances are like, our God is always good. You cannot control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. Thanks for listening to another adventure podcast. I hope you'll join us next week as we finish off our series, Mastermind, Change Your Thinking, Change Your Life. Talk to you then. If you want to find more information about Chandler Acres, visit www.chandleracreschurch.com.